Good morning. It's great to see you. Don't worry about weird noises that you're hearing. It's all good. It's all good. Hey, it's great to see where we are completing our Transform series. Um, and it has really been so enlightening to me, the things that I've learned about God. And we hope that you've traveled through it and that you've enjoyed it and that it's really impacted your life. Hey, look at Scott, man. Let's give it up for Scott. Hey, that thing, that thing weighs like 150 pounds. I, I mean, it, no, it just feels like when you get older, it feels exactly like 150 pounds. But we really are excited about what's going on, and we've, we've talked about God transforming our lives. If you're wondering what's next, we have put a devotional series online. You can get there through our app and through our website. So let me encourage you, don't just let the, the moment drop. Grab a hold of some of the, the, the great resources for devotion that we've put in place for you. Also, if you're new to Crosstown, don't know anything about us, next week, in between the two services, so you can come to either service, but in between for 15 minutes at 10.30, we'll have our Grow Track class, and it will just tell you about our church, our history, what our beliefs are, and you get an opportunity there to ask some questions about what's going on here at Crosstown. So over the last eight, eight weeks, our missional verse has come to us out of Romans 12.2. That says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've learned that, that the outcome of life changes not just by feeling different about it, but rather transforming the root directory of our thoughts, getting, getting down to what they call in computer language, the kernel operating code, getting down to that place where how you put information together, how you execute, the, it's kind of like a divine algorithm that we all have thought, we all have data, we all have experiences, and it kind of goes into our head. And, and, and in philosophy, they call it a noetic structure. It's like when you begin, how you know what you know, epistemology, you know, all this deep language stuff, but how it all goes together into story and how you put it together in your head. And, and the thing is, is you can have all the right information, but put the story together the wrong way and come up with a different outcome. So the Apostle Paul knew that, that we were all journeying from different experiences and that he was like, listen, how you arrange thought and experiences in life is very important. And so don't be conformed to the way that the world organizes thought, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God's word begin to speak into the way that you think and the thoughts that you have about yourself, about God, about the people around you and your experiences. So um, we had small groups, we ha and, and, and we had great turnout for it. We had over 150 people join us in the small group arena for the Pursuit of Transformation, and, and that's absolutely awesome. I mean, it was, it was great to see that kind of turnout. And you journaled. I don't know about you, but I'm not a journal guy. I mean, do I look like a journal guy? I'm not a journal guy. I'm a YouTube guy. I learned all the things about the mysteries of the universe from YouTube. It's a completely reliable source. If you want to know anything about the universe, go to YouTube. But no, so I actually did some journaling, and, and that was kind of new for me. Um, we, we shared a lot, and for some of us, talking to other people, opening up about our lives, that was a big deal, and, and praying for each other. You know, even one group took it, took it so far that Shana uh, baked some cookies. Um, and uh, there, there's the cookies she baked. See, uh, we listened to Pastor Rick Warren's messages in the small group, and, and he always had that incredible, illustrious V-neck on, and so uh, she, she baked cookies in honor of that, and so, uh, so that became part of our theme, and you'll see throughout today's sermon that, that everybody in the sermon will be wearing a V-neck, a, a black V-neck, but we, 
we looked at seven major areas of our lives. We looked about our spiritual lives. We looked at our physical lives, our mental lives. And for a lot of us, you know, when we look at emotional life, relational life, financial life, our vocational life, we didn't realize God had so much to say about all these areas of our lives. See, as a Catholic, and nothing wrong with being Catholic, but as a Catholic, I, it's, it was kind of like all worked out for you. You know, the algorithm, you didn't have to think. You could, the algorithm was already there. We already had the prayers worked out. We worked them out in the middle, middle, medieval times, and we had them all out there. And Augustine and Aquinas got it all worked out and mapped out. This is when you genuflect. This is when you do this, and you do all that other stuff. So your mind didn't have to be in it because other people's minds were involved in it. And it's like, I, and I, yeah, that's okay. You know, I mean, if that's, if that's it. Um, but what we learned is that God wanted to engage everything about your life. He wanted to talk to you about your marriage. He wanted to talk to you about your money. He wanted to talk to you about your vocation, that your job isn't just money-making. It's not what you get out of your job. It's what you bring to the job that, that is transformative. So we heard a lot of stuff, and, and we could have gone into more, but these were kind of like the big, the big topics for us. And so as I, as I began to get feedback from the groups about how is the group responding, how are they talking, are you getting conversation going, how are they responding to some of the concept, um, I was excited because some of you were just like, you know, loving some of the things that you're hearing, but I got even more excited when I heard out that a lot of you didn't like what you were hearing. And it was like, it's like, that excites me. And it's, the reason why it excites me is mean you were having an intersection with something that you hadn't thought of before. Um, it's kind of like, we talk about this here at Crosstown a lot, that we learn in two ways. One, parallel learning. That's when you already possess a truth and God comes along in the scripture and, and he's jogging alongside of you and you're both on the same path and all of a sudden, you know, you're sharing. It's like, oh yeah, and God affirms. Oh, I always thought that was right. Yeah, or, you know, and you're, you're traveling together. But then there's when, when God T-bones you. That's a perpendicular learning moment. That's when you're going this way with your ideas and thought and God just flat out T-bones you. And it's like, you're, you're, you're just like, blown away. And for most of us, we may have responded in our transformed time and like, uh, nah, I don't, I don't go with that, you know? Because in America, we've created, created a, a, a church environment where we, churches try to figure out what do you already think, and so I'm going to teach what you already think so that you'll come alongside of us and that we'll all journey together. And then in, in over the last 15 to 20 years in American church, we've decided we would stop talking about perpendicular issues because that ticks you off and that keeps you from giving, okay? I'm, I'm just exposing the, the elephant in the room. And, and so whether it's a church or whether it's a person, we have to make the decision whether or not are we, are we going to go along with the things that we didn't agree with? You just have to figure out, is that really what God said? And that's why you have to test your church. You have to test people like me. It's like, why do you think that? Give me three good reasons why. Confirm it with the word of God. And but, so this has been a time where we've learned and um, transformed was not about gathering the best ideas that we agree with. It was about learning, even became when it was difficult. And it was learning about God's idea for life. So we presented you with some stuff that you were wrestling with. You know, you, you were wrestling with, and we're going to find out wrestling with God, it's the way. I mean, it is the way. And that's what Christianity is. It's, it's not just we, we go to God and say, oh, I'm going to pick a God because he's going to be my best friend. It's like, no, he's going to be your wrestling partner from this point forward. There's, he's going to present ideas and concepts of heaven and the way that he designed us to be and wants us to live, and you're going to wrestle with them. 
I mean, I have wrestled more with God in the last three years than I've ever wrestled in my life. I didn't realize you would think after like 30 years of being a pastor and, and, and being 63 years old and, and you know, I don't know, being a Christian for like 40 years, you'd think I would have like, I got it all figured out and I'm pretty, I'm pretty your average dude, your average Christian dude, you know, sanctified and all that other stuff. And it's like, I'm finding in the last three years, there was a lot of perpendicular stuff that had to happen in my life. I had a lot of whack stuff in my head about me, about God, about you, about life and life experiences. And God loves me so much that he invited me into a wrestling match. Uh, and, you, and, and this is biblical. Let me, let me give you a story. It's kind of a crazy story that comes to us out of the Old Testament. Just because stories can be crazy doesn't mean they're not true. Um, but it comes out of Genesis 32. And it's about this young guy named Jacob. And he, he's super uh, sharp. He's clever. Um, his name actually means schemer. So he's the kind of guy that can, you know, put a plan together and begin to think out the next step. He's, he's one of those kinds of guys. And, but he finds himself in a tough spot. He finds himself in a difficult place. Maybe where you are today, maybe where we are as a culture, maybe where we are as a Western hemisphere. Um, difficult type of place. And in that tough spot, we're going to find that he's going to wrestle with some manifestation of God. Uh, it, it could be an angel. It could be a, it could be, uh, we don't know exactly how God pulls this off. All right. So let's not get caught in the weeds on how God pulls it off, but rather just that he gets into this dark place. And in that dark place, God wrestles with him because the dark place really represents where most of our wrestling happens. See, the dark place is, is right here, okay? It's, it's, it's where we deal with depression. It's where we deal with anxiety. It's where we deal with fear. It's where we deal with doubt. It's the dark place, you know? And we want a Christianity where as soon as you get baptized, as soon as you come out, as soon as you're Christian, you know, it's just kind of like, this is wonderful, and, and daisies are just flowing all over the place, and, and, and we create this image of God about what God should be, and that God's going to do only things that make us good, and only things that are going to make us better, and all, and all of a sudden, we find a story like this. And in that place, because every one of us find ourselves in a dark space once in a while in our lives, and that's where we wrestle with God. I thought he would do this. I thought he should do this. See, we engrave images of God all the time. They're not totem poles or they're not golden calves that we wheel in and out of the church, but, but our engraven image of what God is in our head. You know, and we, have, we all do. We all walk in here today um, of, of some image of God in our head. And so what God does is he wants to wrestle with that concept. It's like, you think I'm this way, but I'm, I'm really this way. You think you're this, but I'm wrestling with you about that. You think you should talk to your wife this way. You think this about your kids, and you think this about society, people that are different than you. And so God is, is entering into this wrestling moment with Jacob. And that's whenever he reveals truth, he invites us to a wrestling match with him. Let me read you the story. Now, Jacob arose that night... And took his two wives and his two maids and his 11 children. And let's just stop right there. This is a guy, he's already, he needs work, okay? I mean, if that's how your life is, right? Two wives, two maids, and 11 kids. 
It's like he's got a choice. He's either going to wrestle with everybody outside or he's going to have to do some wrestling inside. So he's a guy who needs to wrestle with God. So he, he crosses the ford at the Jabbok. So it's kind of entering into this little dip in the land. There's some water in there. It's kind of like a pluff mud marsh pit, okay? I mean, so that's, it's kind of like what he's entering into, a, a, a place of difficult transition. It's not a paved road. You know, he's left the paved road and he's gone into a place that's difficult to transition from. I mean, it's kind of like when you look at this whole thing going on with Russia and Putin and, and the Ukraine and, and, and we look at it and we see that, how, do, how does Putin get out of this? Or how do we get out of this? How does the Ukraine get out of this? And, and we, we, we look at all this. Then all of a sudden, China issues a statement yesterday that, that, that if we supply any arms to Taiwan, that it would be devastating to us. You know? I don't know about you. I don't see a road in that mosh pit, okay? That doesn't mean there isn't a way out of it, okay? With God, there's always a way out of it. There's a way through it. But, but sometimes you live in a situation where you're, you're, you married this person and you don't see how this marriage works. You don't see how you're ever going to pay those bills. You don't see how America will ever break through its, its problem with racism. You know, you just don't see the path through. And that's exactly where Jacob finds himself, where the beaten path is gone and now he's into a place that's more mud than determined path. And that's where he meets with God. Okay, so, so I just want to let you know, if you find yourself in a muddy place right now, that doesn't mean God can't do something in that muddy place. And I also say that for the world, because I don't want you to go out of here nervous. Okay, he's kept this thing spinning for as long as it's been spinning, and he's kept nations at bay and doing what I mean, but sometimes we find ourselves in a place where the road does not seem defined to us. So Jacob took his 11 children and his two wives and his two maids and sent them across the stream. And he sent across whatever he had. And then Jacob was left alone. I I think the reason why we're obsessed with our phones is not because there's anything new and interesting on it. I mean, come on. How many times do I need to see a TikTok about some cat and some dog? Okay, I've, I've watched them all. They're all pretty much just redoing them all and, or a bunch of people dancing to a song. I mean, I've seen all of it. I, 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 think, I think we're afraid to be left alone. I think we have a hard time being left in our own heads by ourselves. You know, I think we, we, have a, we gotta have people around us. We gotta, we gotta have a bottle of wine. We gotta, we gotta have a relationship. We gotta go out to a club. We gotta, we gotta constantly keep ourselves busy because if we're left alone, we'll have to wrestle. We'll have to wrestle in the dark. We'll have to wrestle with the things that are there. So Jacob was left alone. And a man, and I say this, because I'm not sure exactly, angel, man, something different, but looked like a man, wrestled with him until daybreak. And when this man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, and I think that's interesting. It's like, wait a minute, Jacob's winning? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably have the ability to win any argument about how you think the world should run. You have strong opinions about people, about what needs to happen in your marriage, what needs to happen in America, what needs to happen in another person's life, what you think God should do for you. You know, and they're, they're rooted in you. I mean, they're, they're grounded. They were either passed on to you by your parents, they were passed on to you by society or experience, but, and, and you're, you're strong. 
You, you, may, you may find out that you're strong the wrong way, but a lot of us have very strong opinion about, about women or about men or about people of, of, that are different from us. You know, we have really strong opinions about politics and, and, and different issues in our lives. And Jacob was no different. He had a thought in his mind about what life should be and how it should work. And he had a, an opinion about what God should do. And so, and they're strong. So don't be surprised that some of your thoughts are not so easily uprooted. So when the angel saw that he had not prevailed, he touched the socket of his thigh so that he, the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. And then he, he said to Jacob, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, what is your name? And Jacob responded, Jacob. Now, we know God already knows Jacob's name, but what this story, the way it's laid out, it's using the narrative this way, is it's highlighting the point that identity is going to be the issue, okay? Identity is going to be challenged about what you think about you, who you think you are. And so that's why God plays out the question because he wants, he's going to ask Jacob, who do you think you are? And Jacob is honest about who he is. And the word Jacob means schemer. That means he's able to pull it off. I mean, that's what he's doing right now in this story. He's sending all his stuff. See, he's afraid of his brother coming to kill him. So he's sending, out this, he's sending the kids first and his wife first. Then he's sending all the gold and all the other stuff. And it's like, woo. You know, it's like, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get his brother to back off. He's a schemer. How he's gotten his wealth is a schemer. So, so God's like, dude, you're a schemer. You always got a plan. You always have an opinion. You always think you know what's best. You always, you're always implementing something. And maybe that's what God's talking to us about. Okay, you've got a plan. It doesn't have to be negative. Schemer doesn't have to be negative, but maybe you're, you're an algorithm person. You, you got, this should work this way. This should do this, and, and this should happen. And, and you're always working your plan. And God's gonna challenge that identity in him. And so after wrestling with this angel, this manifestation of God, the angel said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So now he, because of this wrestling encounter with God, his name has changed from schemer, a man working out his own plan, to now a prince with God. You see that the path of wrestling with God ends up in a really good place. It changes your identity. You know, and so God's not just taking us into this place of wrestling with truths just because he wants to say, you know, nanny, nanny, poo-poo. I mean, that would, be the, that would be crazy at the end of the world. All of a sudden, God stands up there and says, listen, I did all this because I want to be able to say nanny, nanny, poo-poo. But no, God's, it's all about changing our identity so that we can discover who we are and, and experience the greatest potential for our lives. Then Jacob said to him, please tell me your name. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. That's kind of the only thing that we get about who this person was. Now the sun rose upon him as he walked, as he crossed the Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is in the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. 
I think it's absolutely amazing that he comes out of this exhausting, muddy, wrestling experience, wounded, wounded, but blessed. Blessed through a new identity. So, it seems that when we get wounded, instead of viewing it as a negative, and God doesn't wound anybody, because that's kind of an image we want of him, he only wants good things to happen to us. He only wants to, if, if God only wants good things to happen to us, he sure has screwed up the universe. Okay? I'm, I'm just looking at data here. Okay? Or, or, let me just say this. If bad things happening to us are really only bad, but don't have the potential of something good in our lives, then God has still only screwed up the universe. But the universe that we tend to experience and that I have experienced personally, and I see experienced in Scripture, is that God loves you, according to the Proverbs, that faithful are the wounds of a friend. That I'm willing to hurt your feelings a little bit in order to get the right truth into your head. And so he touches Jacob in this part of the body, and it, it affects the way that he walks. And I think that's significant, because how you walk is, is a big deal. I mean, um, I, it's a strut thing. And I don't know about ladies, I, I can only speak for my dude experience, but dudes are pretty into their, their walk a little bit, you know? Uh, I like the way the Clint Eastwood walks into a room. There's something about, you know, a strut that you just, I, see, I can't even do it. I can't even strut right. See, my problem is, this is the way I strut. Okay, at work, whenever they see me and they want to communicate whether or not I'm in a good place or not, they'll say, oh, yeah, this Paul's here. You know, the A-type personality, Paul, it's kind of like, because I'll walk like that. But there is a thing about a strut. There's something about it. It shows strength. It shows something about you, whether you got your head up, you got your... And it's, it's interesting, God touches that in Jacob. Because the way he walks, from that point on, the gait, the length of his strut, the, la- the way his foot lands on the, that one foot, that will all be different. And what that means is how he will walk into the future has been changed. And from that point on, these footprints that are nice and orderly, nice and orderly, nice and orderly, all of a sudden got like a drag on one of the foots, you know? All of a sudden, it's just kind of got a little bit of a drag. And it's like, Boy, that, whoa, whoa, it's changing my past, or it's changing the past I create in this moment. See, God wants to do that. I mean, that's the big picture. It's changing how we walk into the future and the imprints we leave behind us. He wants to change our identity. But if we're constantly fighting about the truths, well, I don't believe that's biblical. Well, if it's in the Bible and it's repeated three times or more, and, it's, and my rule of thumb is if the Apostle Paul begins to implement it into the churches, that's biblical. There are some things in there that are kind of a little crazy. Okay, I'm not saying they're not true, but it's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of weird. I don't, I don't get that. Uh, and if it's not repeated, I kind of like, hmm, that's cool. Um, but if it's something, a truth that God's pressing about marriage, here's what I know about marriage. Husbands, love your wives and die for her. Repeated over and over and over and over again. Well, I think my wife should be cooking me supper every time I come home. I think my wife should be ready to have sex every time I walk in the door. I think my wife, it's like, okay, that's, a, that's your idea. Maybe that's an American idea, but that's, that's something really close to misogynist. It's definitely chauvinistic, and it's definitely not in the mind of God. So at that point, you go perpendicular. And God begins to say, listen, I don't want you to be that kind of man. I want you to be different. Also, you know, uh, 
ladies, wives, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm not going to honor him until he proves himself to me. You know, I'll tell you what, there is no man that can prove enough to coerce the honor of a woman, okay? Because it's like painting the house. As soon as you're painting the house, I'll get three quarters done painting the house, and Susan will walk in and say, I really like this color. I'd like to see this in the bathroom. And it's like, full of crying out loud. Can I just get a kudo for what I just did and maybe like nine weeks off in a row on a Saturday? Let me watch basketball, please. But it's, so it's, it doesn't matter about gender. We all have these ideas. There's no better gender. We all need to be challenged about the way that we think. So he wrestles with him. He goes from schemer to prince with God. So the last seven weeks, maybe we've checked off the ones that we agreed with. Um, and then we just decided, you know, I'm not even going to mess with them. I was like, well, like what? Well, I'm, let me just throw out the, the one that, that everybody wrestles with. Uh, like tithing. It's like, it's, so, it's always so amazing. People can be so untheologically informed about so many things, but they have a definite opinion about what they do with their money. I can tell a guy, you know, husbands are supposed to love their wives and give their lives for them. And most of you guys will be like, yeah, yeah. I, then I can tell the same guy, you're supposed to honor the Lord with 10% of your, of your income. He's like, no way, dude. No way, not doing it. It's like, wait a minute, you don't understand. I just showed you that you're supposed to die over here and you were okay with dying, but you're not okay with releasing 10% of your money to honor the Lord. I don't understand that. You didn't get one. And, and so, and let me just say, I have rubbed with some of the, Bible stuff too. I wrestle with it. I don't open the book and say, oh, goody. You know, I'm supposed to die for Susan. It's like, no, it's perpendicular, man. It's perpendicular. Turn the other cheek. I hope I don't even have to try that one out because the way that I drive doesn't show I would operate in it real well. But it's God's really wanting to change the way that we think in our lives. So when I enter into an argument with my wife, um, I don't come out of the argument trying to prove I was right. Because if you do that, I'm saying you got seven to 15 years of marriage in you. You won't go any further than that. If conflicts or wrestling matches in marriage are all about who exit the mud being right, you're totally going to, you're not going to work. It's just not going to work. But if you enter into a conflict with your wife like I do when I enter into conflicts, and I have conflicts with her, you know, um, one of us is not perfect, and I think you, you're kind of getting the idea where that imperfection may lie. But when I go into that conflict, I really do at this point think about, okay, what did I do wrong? That's a smart man right there. What did I do wrong? Second of all, what does she really need from me? Um, how do I need to implement a change? And have I created a space where she feels safe, where she feels cherished and loved? Okay, that's the way I want to come out of the mud. I want to come out of the mud a different me. I want our relationship to come out of the mud, a different relationship. But if I'm going in it just to get my way, it's never going to work. So in the case of Jacob, he wrestles with God and it brings about a change of identity. And that change of identity begins to bring about blessings in his life. So just think about you learned some things. And, you got, and if you weren't here, that's okay because as you continue at Crosstown and as you continue to grow with God, you're going to hear ideas about your life and how it's being lived. And, and they're not going to line up with you. And you're going to have to make a decision at that point. Do I go on in the life of my own definition? Do I continue to follow my own footsteps? 
Or do I begin to allow God to redefine me and have new footsteps generated through the Spirit of God in me? The Apostle Paul was interacting with a church that was just like Crosstown. I mean, it really was. Um, And there he is with his black tee on. Okay, Uh, he was interacting with a church just like ours. And I know you may think, well, that's pretty cocky, Paul. You think your church is as good as the the Colossian church. You think, you you know, your church is... Yes, I do. Absolutely believe it. They were just as screwed up as we are. They were just as anxious as we are. They wanted God just as much as we did. They, I mean, it was the same, same kind of human being. But he was excited because they had just come through this transformed series and um, he realized that, hey man, they really want more of God. They weren't looking for just more stuff. They weren't just looking for um, God to affirm them as they were, were. But rather, they wanted more of God. And he saw this. And he was totally excited because he knew that when you get into a dark space, that's where redefinition can happen. Let me give you a perfect example. I, get, I hate to use this as an example because there's so much evil in it. But this whole Ukraine, Russia, Putin, and now China, okay? We're all been thrusted into this moment together. Um, it will not leave us untouched. And so... Aren't, aren't we all having, the, having these feelings like right now, like, okay, what's going to happen in the future? Um, uh, if you're like me, I'm thinking about, okay, we have definitely got to change the way we do things in America. I'm, I'm already thinking we need to put more money into defense and more technology. We need to home grow a lot more stuff more here. I'm not running for office, but I'm, being, I'm in this dark period with the rest of you, and I'm looking at, I mean, NATO, all of a sudden Switzerland's involved. I mean, who are they, you know? All of a sudden, Finland wants to be a part of NATO. All of a sudden, Germany's decided they're going to put 2% of the gross national product into, into defense where they've been pacifists for the last, since World War II. We might have forced them into that, but, but they get to that place. But now everybody has gotten into this dark space and they're saying to themselves, we cannot go on like this anymore. There's Putins out there. There's, there's people out there that want to rule our lives. We need to think differently. And, and so that means that, that NATO in America is, going to, is having a perpendicular moment. How are we going to face those who oppose us? That's a good place to be. Otherwise, we're just in America arguing over pronouns, about canceling the police, about all this other stupid stuff. You know? It's why. It's because we don't realize we're in a war. There's a battle for the mind. There's a battle for our souls. And now we all realize you got to think differently. Well, let me just tell you, maybe for you it's not Russia and the Ukraine. Maybe it's your marriage. Your marriage is not going to survive if you continue. I don't care what pronoun you use if you keep talking to each other in the tone that you talk to each other. Your kids are not going to turn out right if you keep on neglecting your children's, nurturing their souls because you want to make more money. You know, we're, we're, we're in a place now that's like, wow, like Jacob, I need to be redefined. I love it. I see it happen in young dads all the time. Young dudes are studs. You know, they get a pretty girlfriend. They marry the pretty girl. All of a sudden, they're a cool couple together, and they love their dogs, right? They love their dogs. They got dogs, dogs, dogs. My dogs, and then you'll see them post something on Facebook, totally insane. My dogs are just like children, okay? And they're just like children to me, you know? And then all of a sudden, they have a kid. 
And all of a sudden, it's that lady in the tramp story. And that, that dog, that dog's, yeah, we're putting the dog outside. You know, the dog's not sleeping in the bed anymore. Why? Because all of a sudden you realize that you're in a place that, whoa, this is, this is changing me. So don't miss this moment. Don't just say, well, transform's over. I liked half of it. I didn't like the other half. I'm telling you, the other half is what will transform you. Because you apparently already agree with the first half. It's the other half. It's the difficult half that you got to wrestle with. So Paul says this. They come out of their transformed series. He's standing up on a Sunday morning. He says, we thank God always, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and and of the love that you have had for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you. As indeed, in in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, and and we'll just stop on these three, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So the apostle Paul says, this is not wasted. When we, got, when we enter into transformed moments, when we are willing to wrestle with God, there are some definite positive outcomes. First one is this, bearing fruit in every good work. Continuing to wrestle with God that brings about a change in our life for every good work. Now, I have to say this because we're Americans. It says every good work. It doesn't say every work. All right, because there are some things we're busy about that God doesn't consider good. They may be okay, but they may not be good. See, we think if we follow after God, I'm going to be getting that better job, and I'm going to, I'm going to get that nicer house, and I'm going to get that, that higher income, and, I'm going to, and if I follow after God, I'm going to live pain-free life. Boy, we engrave our God. You know, we'll just make him out to it. Oh, no, he'll never, we'll never have to wrestle with him. He'll never wound me. He'll never touch me in the thigh. He'll never make me limp. He'll never make me walk differently. He will if he loves you enough to change your identity. Okay? I mean, I got a bad back. And, and, and I begged God to fix my back. And he hasn't fixed my back yet. But I found out something in the last two years because I wanted a good back because I wanted to become a, a better mountain biker. Okay, I wanted, I'm 63, I wanted to go up and go to races at 65 and go up to Nantahala and, and, and Asheville and I wanted to get on my mountain bike and all of a sudden some 65-year-old guy comes out, ripped abs, you know, tight, you know, hot bike and all stuff. And I'd be wanted to be, it's like, yeah, that's what I want to be. I'm like, God, why don't you let me get back to being the man I, I want to be? It's like, because the man you want to be and the man I want you to be in this world are not the same person. 
It's like, so you would, would you say, I don't believe God would let you suffer. I tell you what, he loves me so much. He would allow me to put up with a bad back so that it will change my identity. Now, the moment it doesn't change my identity, then, then, you know, he could do something different there. But I've asked him to make me into the image of Christ, not a greater mountain bike. He died on the cross so that I can be made into the image of Christ, not be a better mountain biker. The world needs me to be more like Jesus and more, less like a 65-year-old guy with ripped abs and right, really good on a mountain bike and posting pictures on Facebook about how thin I look, okay? Boy, I'm sorry if I just offended somebody, but I, I think I just offended three-quarters of America, <laughs> at least the ones my age. But we're at this kind of place in America, it doesn't need me to be just another dude's, another dude. It needs me to be like Christ. It needs me to be something different. And so if his faithful wounds bring about a different outcome in my life, though I pray every day that he would take the pain away, but if something greater is being formed in me, he will not waste your pain if he allows you to remain in it. Pray for healing, continue to pray for healing, but remember, Pray that the healing of your soul will be the first thing that gets resolved. Otherwise, if he fixes your body and you go back to being you, it's a loss. So a little side note there. So every good work, he will help you in every good work. A good marriage, that's a good work. Healthy parenting, that's a great work. Helping people around you, awesome work. Cultivating peace on the job site and everywhere around you, that's a good work. Uh, untangling your life from the things that pull you down, that's right where I am. He is fully at work at me. I, I, I just can't get more excited about being who I am at this particular moment. I've, I've never been physically weaker in my life and physically less capable in my life. I can't even cut my own lawn. I have never felt more energized, more actualized by the presence of God, the knowledge of God in my life than I do at this particular moment. It's like... Life is amazing right now. It's weird. It's weird. But angels wrestling with the dude in the, in the pluff mud, that's kind of weird too. But God blessed it, and God transformed him and, and changed him. The other thing comes out of the transformed life, increasing the knowledge of God. Um, we're offered an opportunity to understand God. Uh, that used to be a big deal. I, I have a real small portfolio. And it's not even right to call it a port, investment portfolio. Okay, it's $3,000. I put in a Robinhood stock. Okay, if you know what Robinhood is, it's kind of a little app you run on your phone. And you have, so I'm not a big trader and, you know, I don't got a lot of money. I had $3,000. So I researched what I was going to put it in, used some guys around here to help me figure out which it is. So I, I, I invest in a little company called Solarius. Solarius is a pharmaceutical company. But one of the reasons that attracted it to me is that they are dealing with discovering cures for sarcomas. And one of my good friends last year died of a sarcoma. So it's like, that sounds like a good thing to put my money in. So I even know the CEO's name, David Arthur. And just yesterday, I listened on a conference call about earnings for the fourth quarter of 2021. It's like, dude, you're really into this. It's like, yeah, it's only $3,000, but I'd like to know where we're going. I'd like to know how the guy thinks. I wanted to hear, the, hear all that other stuff. And that's a $3,000 investment. That's pretty much, I'm not going to get rich on this, okay? Uh, but I tell you, if I'm willing to do all that research just to figure out who's handing my, handling my penny stocks, why wouldn't we want to know God? 
Why wouldn't I invest time in, in thinking and hearing his vision and learning his word and, and, and figuring out who he, he is and what he wants to accomplish? Isn't that a far greater investment with a far greater return? He wants us to be close to him because it's not about just knowledge. Increasing in the knowledge of God is not, it's not a data stream that leads to a data bank, but rather it's a relational stream that ends up with intimacy. That's what he wants. And he wants to produce that in our lives. That's, that, I keep on saying that's the end game, and I've used that phrase three times now for three different things, but it's all part of the end game. It's all, it really, a new identity, blessed by God, knowing him better. It, it's, all, it's all clumped together. It's all in the same mud. Then the third thing is this. Strengthen with all power. The transformed life will, will enable me to be strengthened with all power. To endure life with patience and joy. Because like we did in baptism, there are some things you can decide about the universe and there are some things you can't decide. There are some things that we're a part of. You don't get to fix inflation. There are a few movers that get to do that, but pretty much the average person here, we're under a financial system. There's a lot of things wrong with government, and, and some of us will be called into that arena to fix it, but for the most part, you know, we're going to be living under a government. There are a lot of things that maybe are about your genetics that you were born with, and, and there's something wrong with your, this part of your body or that part of your body or something that goes on in your life because grandma and grandpa had it, and now you have it, and, and some of those things you didn't decide on. But you do get to decide if you're going to allow God to walk with you in the midst of it. If you're going to allow him to transform your mind. You can decide whether or not you're going to be strengthened with all power, patience, and joy. Because I tell you, I'm walking through whatever it is in my life. And, and I pray for God's best. And I pray for healing. And I pray for wisdom and all this other stuff. And then in the middle of it, we, we have to have this thing called patience. We've got to have this thing called joy. You know, in the, all of it. And that's what God wants us to have because some of the situations of our lives won't change. But in the midst of it, we could be strengthened with all power. And that's what embracing the transformed life is about. I cannot control the movement of armies, but I can control who I walk through war with. I need that kind of power. I need that kind of endurance and I need that kind of joy. And I'm telling you, your life needs it too. And your marriage needs it. And, and, and your neighbor needs it. The checkout person, at the, when they're checking you out, they need you to be strengthened with all power, with a little patience, a little bit of joy. And then finally it says, so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Like Jacob, the schemer coming out of the wrestling match with God, he was renamed a prince with God. We have been transferred into the kingdom of God as his sons and daughters. And, and now we're just called to walk in a, a manner worthy of God. We're, we're called to walk and be light in the midst of darkness because people are scared. People are terrified. People are wondering if marriage works. People are wondering if honesty works. People are wondering if the police work. People are wondering if government works. People are wondering, is my money going to work? People are wondering, is this family going to work out? People are wondering so many things. And they need, in the midst of this fire, in the middle of the floods, in the middle of the waters, and all the darkness, they need a people to walk in the midst of it and, and to be able to speak peace to them. People, and you know what? They don't need perfect people. 
They need people that kind of walk like this a little bit. You know, I have had more effectiveness as a pastor, not because how fast I was on a mountain bike, but because how I'm handling pain. Who would have thought that would be my best contribution to the human race? I thought my A-type personality, knowing where I'm going next, taking charge, walking into a room and being Captain Kirk wherever I go, would be what's gonna be what I, it's like, no. I've had more impact on your lives because of how I deal with depression. Even admitting I have depression. It's like, wow. It's like, yeah, Paul, they need to be strengthened with all endurance and patience and joy because they're losing it. And God, as we intersect these difficult principles of God, as we move forward here at Crosstown, let me encourage you, don't run. Don't, don't, don't just check off some of them. I agree with them, 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 them. If we can prove to you it's biblical, then, then I challenge you to wrestle with God. But don't try to find another way around because there are sometimes there's no other way around than a man dying for his wife. Sometimes there's no other way around than sacrificing a great job so you can spend good times with your kids. There's no other way around other than having your identity changed, not trying to find it in color or gender or in political affiliation, but finding your identity in Christ. That will change the world. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord God, I thank you for the times that your, your truth just speaks peace into my life. And I also thank you, God, for the times when your peace messes up my hip and puts it out of socket. And Lord God, I would rather be a man who limps with God than a man who struts in arrogance. So Father, teach us. I know you love us through Jesus. We're not trying to earn your love. We've already got all that. We got a giant bullseye on us. When you said, for God so loved the world, you love us, God. But you're calling in into that wrestling place, the place where Paul said it this way, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ now who lives within me. It's no longer Jacob, but I become Israel. It's no longer darkness, but the kingdom now of his son. God, do that work in us. Let us remember as we take the bread and the cup in communion, let us remember there was no way around this. Even for God, there was always going to be a wrestle. There was going to be a wrestling with, with sin. There was going to be a wrestling with justice. There was going to be a wrestling with mercy. There was, going to, there was going to be a wrestling match. But you knew we couldn't survive it. So you wrestled for us. So that in our wrestlings, we too could rise with Christ into new life.